When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to The Fader Interview. I'm Alex Robert Ross, Editorial Director of The Fader. Canadian jazz fusion outfit Bad Bad Not Good has been pulling in new fans for a decade, thanks in part to their long and diverse list of collaborations. From Ghostface Killer, Tyler the Creator, and Charlotte Day Wilson, to Kendrick Lamar and Kate Renata, the band is adept at seamlessly maneuvering between indie, lo-fi hip-hop, soul, and electronica, bending to each genre's whims while still keeping their jazz sensibilities close at hand. On their latest album, Talk Memory, they effectively return to their roots, swapping out their melded multi-genre approach for a more streamlined traditional jazz sound. This time, working alongside musicians like Therese Martin, Laraji, harpist Brandy Younger, and the famed Brazilian composer Arthur Verakai, They've ditched the vocal collaborations that defined much of their earlier work, and the spontaneity of their sound comes through that much more clearly as a result. Before the album's release, the Fader's Sajay Elder spoke with Bad Bad Not Good's Chester Hansen and Alex Sawinski about recovering from burnout and working with their heroes. I was just kind of wondering, like, you know, it's been five years since the last album, so this is a bit of a loaded question, but like, how have things been? (laughs) Things have been really, really good. Obviously, different experiences, highs and lows going through everything from, you know, five years ago onward. But individually and as a group, I think there's been a lot of changes, a lot of new perspectives and experiences that have kind of taught us and encouraged us to try to go deeper and kind of be a bit more connected, A, to ourselves and to each other um, as individuals and even the world, like look at our friends and family and extended community and kind of see where that's all going. So at this stage, five years, you know, later from the last record, um, that's kind of where at least my heart and brain is trying to sit with and trying to stay balanced and in line with. Yeah, for sure. Obviously, I want to talk about the new album, Talk Memory. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, the last couple of years have obviously been kind of a shit show, but um, did the pandemic, like, did that make creating this album any harder? Not like in the logistical way, but like where your headspace was at, like, did it change your relationship with creating at all? I think early on, maybe it was like the first few months of when this started happening was like a lot of ups and downs, like Alex was saying. But, uh, you know, after a few months, I feel like we settled into a flow of just (laughs) having a lot of Zoom meetings and like going back and forth about what shape the album should take and what we should do and i guess like having all that time helped in a way because we were able to work with some amazing people like we got nine music videos made with a variety of different creators and directors and we collaborated with uh the amazing art team alaska alaska on the like artwork and visual direction so yeah there was like a lot of positives to i guess having that much time and people were very receptive to collaborating via email because that's kind of all you could do so 
you know, getting uh, the beautiful string arrangements and getting harp from Brandy Younger and, and uh, Laraji's part on Zither and everything was very smooth in that way. Mm-hmm. You guys essentially said that making it reinvigorated you as a band. I feel like that sounds like you were a little bit burned out maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We had like toured, toured the last record quite a bit and our former bandmate, Maddie, he was kind of unhealthy and not really feeling like in a good space to tour and do those kind of like, you know, high exhaustion experiences. So we had already started to tour with a different uh, keyboard player and that kind of like, I guess, like sparked the fire for a little bit of new creativity live and kind of like enjoy someone else's kind of personality and style and creative expression in our setting because keys uh, has been quite a big element in terms of like pulling down all the harmony and soloing and a flavor and a voice. So that period changing a lot kind of like gave us a bit of new juice to like, oh, okay, like this is really fun live. Now we have someone else to listen to and converse with and play and improvise with, which was really fun. But then we kind of exhausted that too because it was just becoming more about of a touring thing and less about of a studio and creative thing because we would tour a lot, go home and be tired and need some space and kind of restoration period from each other and what was going on and then eventually that exhausted itself out so everything was kind of like a little bit a little bit tired so we need a bit of break time and kind of maddie then left our band wanted to move on to do his own solo work and kind of his own music career and his own respects so chester leland and i kind of were had to do a lot of like picking up in terms of the three of us in our space and find where we were feeling um, creatively and how we could support each other and get some new, a new spark under the, uh, under the old band here. Right. Like not having that live element, these last like, you know, little bit, like did that also affect how the album came together? Cause I feel like that's such an important part of what you guys do is the performance aspect. Yeah. I mean, right before we recorded the album, we were kind of planning a whole new live show and working on performing all that, a bunch of that music live and so to have everything just get shut down like that was a bit of a bummer <laughs> but like i said then it all we had to focus on was the album so i think that by necessity we came up with a lot of cool ideas uh related to that so yeah it was good in the end yeah for sure and yeah i think you mentioned that the album the bulk of the work that you guys did like was before the pandemic happened yeah, we kind of almost went through like a reform, rephase of our band and our kind of world prior to the pandemic, which I guess timeline wise was interesting because then we actually finished recording. We were trying to do a lot of different types of recordings, do collaborations with vocalists and also work on this jazz instrumental record. And the reason to do that was when we're making instrumental music, we have all the control of it. We can finish a song, we can layer up and kind of keep flowing with it. and get to a place where we're like, okay, this feels like a really great piece of music. Maybe there's a couple of things that need to be added, but the, the song is there, we're into it, we're happy. So in a way, realizing what we were doing, vocal collapse, touring instrumentally, it kind of was a thesis of understanding what we can do to keep finding our voice, keep finding creativity and idea and expression um, from our new perspectives of life, and also do the things we love the most, which is making all different types of music, whether we're just helping write a song for someone else who's providing a story and melody, or we're doing those things in our own respects with minus a voice. You know, with that being said about like the touring and like, you know, probably how stressful it was getting, I'm assuming that you guys are excited to go back on the road. 
<clears throat> excuse me, with this new album. And, and but tell me, like, what would be different this time? I guess the difference would be all the new music, but also I think we're we're kind of working on like a new visual direction for the show. Don't want to reveal too much, but it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, I think just like a new refreshed perspective on music in general, it's going to add a lot, hopefully, to what we do live. And also now that we've had time and this music's released, I think we actually started to almost rehearse the music prior to the pandemic even starting and none of it was released. So when I remember just recently feeling like, oh, the way we would have played it then would have been like, well, no one's really heard this. So it's kind of a non-existent thing. But now that it's actually out there and people have heard the music, I think there's a bit more of like a, a language and kind of connection that I understand that is more necessary to make in the music and not just like play it kind of abstract and freeform, but give it like what it exists as, but also make sure that it's still feeling healthy and there is ways to kind of make new paths and directions. And I think improvising, we never like replay a solo note for note or anything like that. So having the improvised sections always be brand new, I think will create a lot of like fun and fire and really excited to hear how that goes because it's always a unique chance to hear something awesome happened out of thin air if the energy is right. Yeah, and I actually wanted to ask about that because this, you know, this album, you guys went back to your, I guess, like, obviously very jazzy instrumental roots, um, whereas your previous albums, like you were mentioning before, like not having vocalists on the on this project and not having to wait and kind of how that added to the process. but And it felt super free and loose, if that makes sense. Like how much of that was improvised along the way? Well, we had quite a bit of the pieces worked out in advance, but I think one of our goals was to just have a lot of space within that structure to improvise, just like really see where we could go without leaning on like such a strong thing, like a vocalist or a rapper on top of the music. It wasn't really like we were trying to exclude like that element of it. It was just like, oh, let's really focus on what we do, which is play instruments. (laughs) And sort of by necessity, we had to do a bunch of stuff like Leland and I played a lot of the keyboards. So that was a really fun challenge. We had some very free moments, I guess, like the song Open Channels is almost entirely like improvised, but there's yeah a good mix of sort of like pre-written things and improv and for for myself on the other side of the perspective because i'm just kind of playing drums i had a bit of an idea to want to ask a little bit more of these gentlemen in terms of like the flavor not and, and chester specifically because he's always taken bass solos like maybe like one or two on our albums before i wanted to hear like where his voice is at and his solo ideas normally his he, i can't you know appreciate him enough how incredible musician he is and how lucky i am to play with such a great bass player but he has amazing solo uh, ideas and sounds but he naturally will just be like oh no someone else can solo i'll support them i'll keep the like you know the bass part underneath so yeah, part of what i wanted to hear was more of what it sounds like when he's actually in the forefront and when he's leading so the track like signal from the noise is a big kind of like bass solo kind of journey, I suppose. And that was a piece of music Chester would naturally improvise when we started playing live, just kind of, I'm going to take a moment to take some space and he got it all distorted and heavy in the show. So it was really fun to carry some narrative from like old touring measures into new album measures.
what did you learn about yourselves as musicians during that whole process? I think I learned like the balance of being really invested and almost obsessed with a new chapter or something creatively that's giving you lots of ideas and you're thinking about it. Maybe you can't sleep at night because you're buzzing about, oh, what about this combination of this or that or where this could go? What I really learned is that once you're in the place to put it together and there's been some, you know, meditated practice or work put together, once you're actually in the studio space, it is so important to kind of let go context and perception of the world and what's going on and what you think is critically really great or whatever the critique element of our lives and how we enjoy art and to just be in it and if it feels good and if it's resonating and something's happening that's exciting for you whether it's on any spe uh, spectrum of the you know, emotional state whether it's super energetic and happy or it's really sad and moody it's just so important to be in the moment rather than coming from a place prior to with our band maybe where we would kind of like judge it and feel uncomfortable like whether it was good enough because of the music we liked so just learning to separate that i think was really really fun and i learned a lot through that experience yeah it that totally makes sense finding that balance is really difficult like the balance between i guess purely just doing whatever is on the top of your head and sitting with that versus like really nitpicking a song and going back and forth on it and doing like 20 takes. I feel like we've tried both in the past, but on this record in particular, it felt like we were sitting nicely in the middle where, you know, we spent a lot of time and energy arranging and rehearsing the songs. But once we were in the studio, most of the songs were like two or three takes, I would say. So yeah, just accepting like the little imperfections that make something really human is something we tried to do. <laughs> I want to talk about the collaborations on that record as well. So on over half of the songs, pretty much, um, you worked with Arthur Verisai, and you've basically all said that, you know, his his self-titled album changed your life. So what was it like working with someone that like you're so deeply inspired by? And like, tell me a little bit about him because I wasn't familiar with him previous to this. So he's a like a Brazilian composer, arranger, musician. So I guess, you know, back in the day, well, he actually told us because we did got to interview him, which was really cool because we were just curious to know more about his experience and what his musical journey brought because we really, really appreciate how prolific and his amazing work and his skill. He was an engineer prior to becoming a musician, but I guess his sister was taking guitar lessons. So he was working as an engineer and wanted to get into music. So he switched careers and went like full steam into being a writer, composer and guitar player. Fast forward, he made this album in 1972 after doing lots of work for other people and being able to get his own opportunity to make his own record the exact way he wanted it. And it's just this amazing fusion of Brazilian samba, jazz, psych rock, and almost funk music at the same time. And his signature sound is big orchestration. So on that record, I think he had 12 violins playing, lots of flutes. I don't know if clarinets, but like woodwinds of all kinds and brass and just amazing jazz solos and kind of freak out sections amongst these really beautiful pieces. And I think when you hear a record front to back that just like keeps you engaged and excited and captivated, no, no matter this tempo or the energy of the piece, like that's a very exciting thing to experience. And that record definitely does that, I think, for myself and, and my bandmates. So he's this amazing dude, made this fabulous music. And when you hear the work he's worked on, not only his own, it's like insanely good. So to work with someone like that, and he's in his 70s now, um, we got to play a show with him in Brazil and play that album because he started to want to tour it again. Never got a chance to tour that album when it when it came out. It's, got this, it's a huge long story. Sorry, I'm ranting here. But 
um, I'll, I'll let Chester take over. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about because I remember when we first started listening to his music, we're like, oh my God, this is like everything we've ever wanted to hear basically <laughs> in music. So to finally meet him is just insane. And obviously like the musicality that he brings and the compositional skill and intricacy and everything is super inspiring. But what's almost more inspiring or as inspiring is like his attitude i guess and his personality because like alex said he's like an older guy now he's you know in his 70s but he probably has more energy than all of us combined and he's so like excited about music to this day like he's been working with a lot of new artists like recently i'm very honored that he's a part of our project and that we have got to meet him and get to know him a little bit Talk to me about working with Brandy Younger, the the harpist. She's actually she's worked with Thundercat, and she's really dope. Um, and then also Terrace Martin. Brandy, I had heard her music and saw her play. We saw her playing with Moses Sumney at a show in New York once, and it was just um, the two of them. And Moses is a powerful spirit of a whole different... <laughs> I want to say, you know, his energy is transcending every time uh, we see the show. So... They were playing together, been blown away. And then also to hear her contributions in jazz and how beautiful she applies her sound and soloing and improvising on an instrument that's only been done by a handful of people in jazz before, obviously. And a few of them are some of the most incredible women in jazz of all time, which is very cool. So she's, you know, carrying this beautiful sound forward. And she recorded to our piece of music after we had recorded it um, and we recorded the song initially with Terrence because we were we recorded the album in LA and we asked him if he wanted to come through just to see what was going on. And he's like, brought his alto saxophone. He's like, all right, let's do, let's do something. So we had this kind of, this piece that was already written, kind of just showed him like the loose structure of it. And we just kind of did a couple quick takes of jamming it. And him and Leland, our saxophone player, shared a microphone. So they were kind of like leaning in, playing, kind of conversing together. So it's this very raw, very kind of like one to take version of this piece but we had so much fun doing it and his energy was so incredible that it just felt like a really fun memorable beautiful experience and we wanted to get a little bit of additional kind of support and layering because we just tracked it bass drums and saxophone and did a little bit of piano but we thought some other kind of melodic instrument would be really supportive and had been really inspired by brandy so we asked her if she'd play on it and she did and gives a very beautiful performance. It's obvious from your the music that you make that you guys are fans of so many different kinds of music. So 
I'm just curious what you guys were listening to while you were in the process of making this record. I think a few different like lanes of music, I guess, were we had this ongoing playlist that everyone was just like texting songs to. So a lot of different eclectic stuff, heavy jazz fusion, <laughs> like like my Vishnu Orchestra and stuff, but also the more like open kind of spiritual side of jazz. Like so, you know, classic like Coltrane and Wayne Shorter stuff. We're very fortunate. Um, the gentleman who ended up booking our first ever performance and show, he's actually our band manager. He is a DJ and record collector for years. So he was showing us some amazing like house tunes and some different psych rock we've never heard. And it's just kind of a general collection, I think, of stuff we normally listen to. But this music specifically was very inspiring and we were sharing it. And it was cool because sharing music is the best. So there's a lot of like kind of underground 90s rap in there as well and just different production and beat making and things that was just captivating and really exciting so just a general kind of perspective of what we were listening to there kind of going back to an earlier comment obviously with this album having no vocalists on it and being fully instrumental walk me through if there's like a story that you're telling you know with each of the pieces I guess the initial kind of like thesis and like kind of processing of what we were hoping to make and what I was feeling um, inspired by was just trying to tell a different story, a bit more honest story. And the way we tried to do that was with the approach. So we had written all the music, not recorded it and it had no relationship to any kind of demos or anything like that. It was all just on the phone and in the brain. and. We wanted to also make a lot of the pieces of music kind of flow and connect together. So we were thinking about how if one song ends in this key or on this chord, you know, the next one we're writing, where does that go? So that was kind of a fun way to like think about trying to take ourselves and hopefully someone who would listen to this later on on a journey and just try new approaches and new challenges and use our voices differently and listen differently, hopefully better and just kind of through that world. So pulling from as many different sources, I guess, of our experiences as we can, whether it was improvising at a live show or wanting to challenge the kind of creative writing world that we have been working in for a while now. It's funny because like it can be difficult, I guess, for me personally to think about like the meaning or like the intention behind the music until we actually do it. It's kind of like <laughs> we just kind of do it based on where we're at as people and as a band at the time and then afterwards i think it really sinks in like oh wow we i think we touched on something special here we like access some sort of thing that we haven't done before and yeah i guess just our general intention was to do something different and a little like the next step in our kind of evolution as a group uh, to be very general and vague but <laughs> that's pretty much what we tried to do i feel like so many people end up getting introduced to you through your collaborations. Like, I feel like your work sits in all these different worlds and they're pulled into yours, you know, via these artists. But what's like your dream collaboration that you haven't been able to do yet? Andre 3000. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. That would be so fire. This has sort of allowed us, this project, uh, to work with more instrumentalists than we ever have before. So I think there's a few more people in that world who would be like absolute dream bucket list people like i don't know like kirby hancock or something like that for instrumentalists i think there's a definitely a huge list like you know obviously making some more tracks with thundercat would be amazing and flying lotus actually came through the studio where we were working and we did a couple little like 
demos and stuff. But then he actually came back, um, walked right into the studio when we were recording the track, um, Timid Intimidating. And he's a big hero of all of ours for someone who's really progressed this kind of like beat culture in LA to almost this free form avant-garde jazz world. And so all the brain feeder Kamasi, all these beautiful artists that have kind of come through there are just so incredible. And even, I think they're doing some stuff with Herbie Hancock and stuff like that. So I don't know all those people and someone even like Emmanuel Wilkins, an incredible sax player, I think based out of New York, his music is like phenomenal or like a Tyler, the creator or Stevie wonder or something like that would be a bucket list. I suppose big bucket list. One of my favorite things that happened earlier this year on TikTok, actually, was that Adult Swim Challenge. And obviously there was that producer that flipped uh, Time Moves Slow. And like, was it weird for this older song of yours to like resurface in that way? It was hilarious. Yeah, I was like vaguely familiar with TikTok, but to have all these people texting me like, hey, your your song is on TikTok. It was super crazy. But, you know, a welcome thing. It's like I feel like it introduced a bunch of people to our music and there was also a lot of people that were like this cool band from the 60s and 70s is uh trending on tiktok right now (laughs) i think initially it made us feel really old because we're like i don't really like someone had sent me this like kind of early as it started bubbling and i was like i honestly don't understand what's going on i don't really know what like tiktok trends are i still don't really use tiktok it's just not like a thing that i'm that active on or at all but after i kind of let it take some time to understand it and just like let it exist and be like, okay, this is something that's not actually I am aware of, but is kind of charging a lot of young people and creatives to have fun and, you know, use media in a totally new way. And when I kind of actually accepted that and was like, okay, this is actually really cool because people are engaging and living life and enjoying themselves and making art, which is in a unique new way. I thought it was actually really cool. And we just recently met Vano 3000 in LA last week, um, which is really cool because he was just a really nice, fun human being. And you can kind of see that's where this idea came from. So I I noticed that like in in other interviews, you guys kind of like shy away from genre in a way like you guys play with so many different ones, but like you shy away from like placing yourselves in any particular category. And, And like I said, with this album, like it's very, very much rooted in jazz like more so than probably your previous work so do you guys still feel that way in terms of like feeling like you know labels and genres are limiting in that way i think there's been a bit more growth into understand you know what a label and a genre is isn't necessarily like something to be afraid of but then also more recently i've only learned that jazz is actually a term that a lot of like black jazz musicians weren't very fond of because I think they felt it was like this kind of like white label that was put on by these label bosses and things like that. So they like to call it like black jazz music or American jazz because that's where jazz is from. So if we have to be very like political and more thoughtful about it, I guess we play American jazz music. But I think that when we were coming up being like playing going to a jazz program, jazz school, you always felt like you're like, 
years behind, you're notches below because you're learning from these like very well-versed kind of length career, billions of hours of practice musicians. And I think that us being uncomfortable with genres kind of came from not being comfortable as like people and as musicians trying to play. And as we started this band and started to do something that was taking interest on the internet, even though we aren't necessarily masters of our instrument, I guess like the feeling became a bit more about ego rather than like understanding because we're like, well, people are liking what we're doing on the internet, but the teachers think we're shit musicians or whatever. So not necessarily shit, but like, you know, you're, you're still a student. So I guess like as the years have gone on, it's been more of a space of just understanding that it is just like, it's a label to understand, like, I suppose where the, the music comes from, where the history comes from. And I feel absolutely totally fine to acknowledge that we are super huge fans and appreciators of jazz music. And if you know what we're doing fits into that category and then it's an absolute honor. So I think that's kind of where I feel at it as now. Yeah, this album specifically, I would definitely make sense to put in the record store, like in the jazz bin. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. And that's what we were inspired by, I would say, the most uh, while making it. And, you know, going forward, the next album might be like totally electronic. Uh, who knows? But we just like to try and sort of be inspired by our favorite musicians and, you know, jazz and other genres. Alex said something interesting in that, like, almost kind of feeling like intimidated by, you know, your teachers and like the, it's a genre that has so much precedence in history, whereas like, you know, pop is a little bit more it's newer. There's other genres that are that are newer where there's not really a script in that kind of same way. But so like, do you still feel kind of like on the outside, on the fringe in a way of, you know, what the jazz world is? I would say we've we've been very like welcomed by quite a few people in that world like just going back to Terrace Martin and Kareem Riggins like for this album those are both some of the top musicians in the world at this point they just kind of came in and were very seemingly uh liked what we were doing and had a good time playing with us so that's all the affirmation that I need personally because it's it was a really special experience (laughs) yeah and I think that it kind of comes back to the feeling that music is music and, you know, emotion and energy and sound can come from anything. And the label of it is one thing to categorize it in your streaming service or your record store. But at the same time, as, as soon as you listen to whatever you're picking up or putting on, there's a spirit there. So, you know, like we've been really fortunate to meet, you know, some really legendary producers like Mad Lib and stuff like that. And I feel like genre doesn't exist for that gentleman because he just makes music all the time. So... You know, he'll he'll categorize it as something that we can digest and understand. I heard an interview that he's like, I have five industrial albums, you know, ready to go. And and was, that sounds fabulous and it's very cool and interesting. Or he'll do like reform jazz and provides music or tons of beats and rap and hip hop music. But I think that someone like him, for example, is a jazz musician in the sense of how adaptable and how free spirited and kind of consistently reinventive and creative he is. So I think that you know, the label and the and genres. Yeah, I don't think they're harmful. I think that it's all about what your ear tells you when you get to it. So we're really appreciative to just be really excited to improvise and play music and write music together. And um, where those take where it's taken us is also something we're extremely grateful for. What do you want people to take away from this album? Mm. I mean, hopefully it gives people some positive listening experiences, whether they're you know, at home or in the car or just whatever they might be doing. And hopefully it's the kind of album where 
someone hears it and they, you know, they want to show it to their friends because that's kind of all we do is just like show music to each other and different inspiration, different things to each other, like films or books or whatever, whatever it is. So, yeah, that would be my wish. <laughs> Amongst like the experience of someone finds something in the album that they enjoy or gives them a memory or a perspective or touches their life in a specific place. That's kind of what I have growing uh, as a human been really fond of is when music creates a memory for me. Maybe I'm in a certain place when I hear a song or an album for the first time or I'm with someone I really love or the kind of connection where visual sensory memory and sound kind of plays together. And amongst that, as we recorded the album and we're able to get um, string arrangements from our hero at the Verakai and additional performances from Laraji and Randy Younger, absolute legends in their own right, we really realized how important kind of community and how much we appreciate like artists and musicians and people of all different types of crafts. So we really opened up the, the gates in terms of where the project took us with music videos and we made a zine. If anything, I, what I'm saying is I hope that someone finds someone they never heard of before and taps into other artistry and we get to share more of the incredible creators of, of our time. Well, Chester, Alex, two-thirds of Bad, Bad, Not Good, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me about this record. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us here today and uh, for taking the time to chat with us. That was Bad, Bad, Not Good talking to the faders Sajay Elder. Bad, Bad, Not Good's new album, Talk Memory, is out now via XL Recordings and Innovative Leisure. Our engineer is Tony Giambroni, and our associate producer is Salvatore Mackey. We'd like to thank Loughton Audio for providing our microphones. You can find them online at lautenaudio.com. And we'd like to thank James Ivey for providing our intro music. Remember to follow The Fader interview wherever you listen to podcasts. And keep an eye on thefader.com for essential music news, interviews, and essays. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Fader interview. Goodbye until then.